From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. A hello, how are you? Uh, to those of you listening to The Conspiracy Show on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM, here in the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto. Uh, hi to those of you tuning in to the uh, program on uh, one of our affiliates, uh, those catching the podcast on iTunes, TuneIn.com, uh, Stitcher Radio and TalkZone.com. Uh, welcome to those of you who are uh, taking the uh, uh, conspiracy show with you on your mobile devices, your smartphones, your uh, your um, iPads, and so forth through the Zoomer Radio and Conspiracy Show apps, which are both free downloads uh, from uh, Google Play and the Apple Store. So, however, and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, Jamie is here doing yeoman's duty, filling in as the uh, technical producer for the vacationing Ian Robertson, who is actually enjoying uh, a holiday in the newly independent Great Britain. Uh, Albert, my intrepid uh, story producer, is here running our HOA. And again, if you want to stream this radio program on YouTube, uh, just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, at Richard Serrett. Go to the top or near the top of the feed and find the tweet containing the HOA link. And you just click on it, and you're in, and you're watching a radio program on YouTube. How cool is that? We are going to embark on um, a one-hour journey, open lines. One hour of open lines. That's just you, me, and the old telephone Let me give you the numbers right now, because they're kind of handy. <laughs> if you want to do open lines, you've got to have a number to call, and here they are. In the uh, greater Toronto area, 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, that's uh, here in Toronto, 416-360-0740, and toll free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740, again, 866-740-4740, a lot's going on. Uh, and if you want to talk about um, the recent and historic Brexit vote, 52 to 48% of uh, Great Britons voted to leave the European Union. Uh, now, Jamie in the other room, can you hear me, Jamie? Do you have that? Uh, we have a clip there of um, uh, Nigel Farage, who is the, uh, the leader of the United Kingdom Independent Party. And, of course, he was one of the, along with Boris Johnson, former mayor of London, uh, two of the sort of... Um, the individuals who kind of spearheaded uh, the um, the vote to leave the European Union. In fact, this has been sort of Nigel Farage's whole, well, his raison d'etre. And if he's, he's also, of course, um, elected member of the European Parliament. Um, but here is Nigel Farage uh, shortly after the um, it became apparent that the leave vote won the day. Dare to dream that the dawn is breaking on an independent United Kingdom. This, this, if if the predictions now are right, this will be a victory for real people, a victory for ordinary people, a victory for decent people. We have fought, we have fought against the multinationals, we fought against the big merchant banks, we fought against big politics, we fought against lies, corruption and deceit, and today Honesty, decency, and belief in nation, I think now is going to win. That's uh, Nigel Farage from the United uh, Kingdom Independent Party. And apparently, um, the, um, the European Union uh, and the Commission and so far, for, forth, uh, kind of taking a hard line now against Britain. And, and um, reports are that they've asked uh, the UKIP to leave the European Parliament. They're not even going to wait because this is going to be a long, protracted, uh, messy divorce, I think. It's going to take years. Um, I mean, the, the actual uh, 
agreement and, and series of, uh, well, just the rules and regulations. I mean, if you were to pile that paper up, it would be, uh, you know, it probably stretch all the way to the top of Big Ben. It's, um, as I say, it's going to be an incredibly complicated process. Uh, shortly after the vote was announced, Conservative uh, Prime Minister David, David Cameron, uh, of course, who was pushing for uh, Great Britain to remain in the European Union, uh, had this to say. I will do everything I can as Prime Minister to steady the ship over the coming weeks and months. But I do not think it would be right for me to try to be the captain that steers our country to its next destination. This is not a decision I've taken lightly, but I do believe it's in the national interest to have a period of stability and then the new leadership required. There is no need for a precise timetable today, but in my view we should aim to have a new Prime Minister in place by the start of the Conservative Party conference in October. All right, so he is uh, resigning, likely uh, by the fall. Really, no choice but to fall on his sword. He did campaign for Great Britain to remain, and, uh, you know, he would, uh, uh, he'd be under tremendous pressure, obviously, if he tried to stay on. And I would, I would, um, I would guess that someone like the former mayor of London, Boris Johnson, uh, will probably seek the leadership, and I'll, I'm gonna go out on a limb and predict he will be the new prime minister. And, uh, again, though, it's gonna take a couple of years, uh, for this, uh, messy divorce to become reality. So if you want to talk about uh, this, what I see, it's, it's, it's historic. It really is. And uh, I mentioned this earlier. This is going to be the beginning of the unraveling of the European Union. I, I believe that. And for my part, I think it's a positive. I really do. As Nigel Farage has pointed out, the European Union is not, um, is not undemocratic. It's anti democratic. Yes, you have a European Parliament and uh, Great Britain elected several UKIP members, including Nigel Farage, but that Parliament has no authority, no power to uh, to create legislation, uh, to amend legislation. Its only power is to simply uh, to rubber stamp uh, legislation. And uh, anyone in the EU, any member, uh, any citizen in the uh, the 28 member countries, now 27, I'm guessing would be very hard-pressed uh, to identify, A, who their elected um, European Parliament members are, but more importantly, to identify any of the commissioners who are unelected, uh, and to identify any of the four presidents. There are four presidents of the European Union. There's an endless list of uh, commissions. And, and uh, if you drive into Brussels and you're looking for the, uh, the headquarters of the European Union, good luck. There's something like, ni- they're scattered over 90 different uh, buildings within Brussels. It is Kafkaesque in its scope, the way the European Union is run. There's nothing democratic about it. And so I, for one, this is just me talking, but I applaud what the um, the citizens of Great Britain, the 52% that voted to leave, to take back their sovereignty, to take back control of their monetary policy, fiscal policy, taxation, their borders. Because I believe in the nation state. I'm not a globalist. I'm not a one-worlder. Far from it. The nation state is... The best. It's not perfect, but it's the best safeguard we have uh, to preserve our liberties, happiness, harmony, the nation state, not supranational uh, bureaucrats. So I'm going to predict a fairly quickly. Now, when I say fairly quickly, I'm talking about over the course of the next five years. I think the European Union is done. Next up, possibly a country like Denmark, Holland. Those countries, or a lot of the citizens in those countries, they want out, and uh, they will be pressuring their leadership to hold a similar referendum. So England, or Great Britain rather, is the first over the wall. 
more quickly to follow. What you may find in the interim is the European Union breaking up in sort of a transitionary period into blocks. You'll have a northern block, Germany, perhaps uh, the Scandinavian countries, Belgium, and then you'll have a southern block. But it is inevitable, I believe, that the European Union will dissolve. And I think that's a good thing, because I believe, again, in the nation-state. All right, uh, let's see. Who do we have on the line here, Jamie? I'm not... Uh, Michael, Michael. Welcome, Michael. Yes, uh, good evening, Richard. I, I guess a couple of things that uh, <clears throat> would concern me. Do you think... Uh, the common market, you know, a lot of these uh, people that are into the book of Revelation for years talk about some, you know, third power like uh, the United States of Europe. I wonder if there's any future, you know, for that kind of thing now, although you said that uh, the common market just might break up. So you're you're talking about end of times prophecy and yeah. uh, the um, the idea in prophecy that perhaps... Um, this um, what is it called? They, they call them the uh, the um, the beast. Yeah, the beast, which might be some might see the uh, the European Union as the beast. <laughs> uh, and if the European Union, in fact, does dissolve, well, there goes that prophecy. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Um, well, if that's the case, then obviously that's not the beast, is it? Uh, but that doesn't mean, for example, that. Uh, there may be some other sort of attempt to reorder, um, uh, you know, for those who believe in, in uh, end times prophecy, that as the European Union is dissolving, there may be an attempt to reorder it. Maybe uh, uh, other nations try to form another, a new trading block or a new political union along the lines of, let's say, the Holy Roman Empire, something like that. Uh, but the the entity now known as the European Union, headquartered in Brussels, I think is is doomed to failure, and I say good riddance. Well, in a way, this in a way this is interesting because it's not uh, Britain that voted against uh, the European Union; it's England. And I heard that Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland want to remain. Uh, that's true. Uh, and the city of London, uh, the, the, the vast majority of uh, Londoners want to remain. And, and this is interesting to me. Now, Scotland, of course, back in 2014, they had their um, a referendum. They wanted to separate from the United Kingdom. And it was, um, it was about a 10-point spread uh, to remain. So 55-45 uh, to remain. And some, of course, have claimed that there was a conspiracy and the vote was rigged. And uh, But I don't understand, if if I'm a, uh, a citizen of Scotland, why would I want to then separate from the United Kingdom uh, in order to have a greater, greater authority, for example, or a greater say, greater independence, and then throw my lot in with the European Union, which would take all of those... <laughs> those freedoms and, and powers away. It makes no sense to me. Well, that, that's why people are, t people are talking about, uh, you know, maybe now uh, Scotland in five years from now, maybe Britain will fall apart now. Well, it's, it's certainly possible. It's certainly possible. This is a countervailing force to globalism. It is uh, the rise, again, of the nation-state and perhaps a rise of tribalism. So you may have a point there, Michael. Maybe we'll see a disintegration uh, of the United Kingdom. But why quit the United Kingdom and then throw your lot in with the uh, the EU? Makes no sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Michael, thanks for the call. We'll uh, take a time out, come back and continue with open lines. If you want to talk Brexit, we can do that. And I have other uh, logs to throw on the fire. Oh, yes, I do. Stay with us. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, let me just jump in here. Welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. Richard Serrett with you. Open lines until, uh, well, until we dim the lights and say goodnight, and uh, that is in about 45 minutes from now. And, uh, well, we're talking about, among other things, and you can certainly, and I'll take this ship wherever you'd like, but we are, uh, of course, talking about the recent and historic uh, Brexit vote. Uh, the United Kingdom, Great Britain, voting by a margin of 52% to 48% to leave the European Union. 17 million uh, Britons 
said, we want out. And now there is a, a petition, an online petition, uh, that has gathered about a million votes, and the signatories want another referendum. Uh, I can assure you it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. I mean, a million uh, signatures compared to 17 million who said, we want out. Um, not going to happen. And the, the, the folks in Brussels, uh, the bureaucrats, um, are going to try and make an example of, of Great Britain in order to prevent other countries from following suit, getting over the wall. Uh, but there will be others. This is going to be, an, um, I mean, this is the trend that I'm, I'm, I'm looking at. And that is, uh, and I think this is a positive as someone who believes in the nation state. This is going to be a new rise of nationalism and a rejection of globalism. And this will have reverberations in the election in the United States. Because, uh, to my mind, the Democrats represent that old guard, uh, globalism. And I don't think that's going to go very well uh, for Hillary. I think, I think this could provide a, the impetus that um, the Republican nominee Donald Trump needs to go over the top and win the White House. What say you? 416-360-0740 and uh, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Uh, remember, uh, President uh, Obama went to Great Britain before the vote, and uh, you know this is something that's sort of frowned upon, and, and, and that is when a foreign leader goes to another country and tries to influence the outcome of a referendum or an election. And he warned Great Britain that if they were to vote to leave... He actually said this, uh, that they could forget about any sort of, uh, you know, new trade deal with the United States. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, but essentially said, you will go back to the end of the queue, sort of using a British expression, the end of the line. And, uh, well, <laughs> that didn't play well. I can tell you that. All right. Uh, Keith is in Rochester, New York, Rochester. Welcome, Keith. Yes, I am American and I fully agree with Britain leaving the EU. Uh, there, there are way too many bureaucracies and corruption in the world, and people are starting to take note of that. Uh, Mr. Trump noted correctly enough that this correlates with his own campaign here in the States. Conversely, Hillary uh, took a, uh, a more negative tone in, in so far as trying to frighten people and so far as saying that their investments would go down. And um, Obama uh, is one of these globalists, and Hillary... Uh, until recently when uh, it was really presented to her that these big trade agreements are not good for both of our countries. But uh, we, we need to, um, even if you want to call it nationalism, we need to bring back the true nation state. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, a Scottish guy who lives on uh, Trump's, along the edge of Trump's golf course there put out a Mexican flag, he said, in support of the Mexican people, but when I heard that, uh, I said to a couple of people, he, the Scottish guy um, does not live near our southern border. The Scots are not being invaded by uh, the Latinos who do not belong in our country. Well, wait a second. Now, I want you to make the distinction. We're talking. You're talking about illegal immigrants. Uh, right, uh, but uh, that's, what, the, that's what Trump is talking about. We're not talking about legal immigration. Right. And it has nothing to do with the ethnicity of a particular group. Uh, uh, but the, the, the Scottish guy was just trying to, uh, without understanding it, uh, Scotland is not having illegals uh, pouring across their uh, border there. Uh, Scotland, unfortunately, the Scots, and I do have Scottish heritage in me uh, on my mother's side. In fact, Keith is a... A Scottish name. Uh, the, the, the Scots have gotten way too socialist, and uh, following on your comments, uh, it was uh, one woman there, uh, uh, her um, surname is Sturgeon, wanted to turn back the vote. Uh, I understand that uh, the Scots, uh, properly enough, want their own independence, but you're correct that they're not going to get anything by sticking in the EU, so... Uh, if Scotland wants its independence, but uh, as socialist as the Scottish people have become, that they've got to see too that uh, a good nation state is important. And flying uh, that Mexican flag foolishly without knowing what we're going through here with this invasion of the illegals. Uh, people are in my closing remark: the people around the world should not damn us Americans who are really concerned about 
language, culture, and borders. We have every right to protect our sovereign nation. Everyone should know uh, very hip- hypocritically, Obama uh, ordered the fence around the White House to be heightened because of all of these fence jumpers. So uh, the ruling class, they get to have their uh borders and boundaries and their armed security guards, but the rest of us have to go without. And people are starting to wake up to the hypocrisy of the ruling class, and hopefully Trump can um, bring all of this together. He's had a bad last month, and Hillary has gained in the polls, but uh, the Donald has got to bring it together and put aside that gigantic ego. And uh, we Americans want to be friends with everyone, and... Uh, I understand when you say, uh, Keith, that's not uh, 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 legal immigration. You're correct on that, but we get mighty angry. Uh, let me just say in closing, what would Canadians think if a lot of us Americans, almost like during the Vietnam War with the draft dodgers coming up into Canada, I don't think Canadians liked it back then with all the Americans coming north of the border. If you look at it that way, every country in the world should, should be uh, must be allowed to control its own, own borders. Well, of course. You cannot have a country without uh, borders. And again, I am not a one-worlder. Uh, I believe in the nation-state, and you can't have a country without uh, you know rules, regulations, and the enforcement of law. And, you, and uh, people who come in have to do it legally. I don't buy into this no-one-is-illegal nonsense. Uh, that's a huge organization. and, and uh, But you, you cannot do that and, and still have a country. Now, I, I want to... Uh, thanks for the call, Keith. I want to mention something, too, about you mentioned Scotland and, and becoming increasingly socialist. And this was a disturbing report to me um, that uh, came out several months ago. And that is the Scot- uh, the, uh, the government in Scotland uh, appointing a state-appointed nanny for every family. State-appointed nanny for every family. Um, all right. I'm not sure what uh, Jamie uh, is pointing down to her. Okay. Yes, we lost Keith. But we have another caller. We have another caller there. All right. Anna. Anna, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hi, Richard. Hi it's, there. I love your show. Thank you. I, I've listened forever. Um, I just wanted to ask you, you used to have a guest on um, whose name was Niels Hamron, I believe. Niels Hamron, yes. I, we, ha- we ha- You haven't had him on in a really long time. I don't know if if um, you still have contact with him. I always found him really interesting and, and considering these sort of tumultuous times we're living in, he'd seem like a, an ideal guest if he would still, if you'd be, if you still have contact with him. I do. Uh, I get a, I get a, a Christmas card from uh, Nils, and it, you're right, it has been a while. Nils, now Nils is getting up there. He's up in his 80s, but he's still pretty spry and, and still pretty sharp, and uh, that's a great point. It's time to bring Nils Hamron from End Times Press down in, uh, in New Jersey back on the program, and, and what better time? Let's, I'll get Albert, my uh, intrepid story producer, on that, and we will we'll try to get Nils Hammerin uh, back on the program, perhaps you know towards the end of July or early August. Anna, thank, thank you for that. Thank you, and you're excellent on coast to coast too. You're, you you do us a, um, a great turn by doing so well on that show as well. So I appreciate thank you for that. thank you for being so good. Thank you so much, Anna. All right then. Bye. All right. Bye bye. All right. Um, I mentioned Nigel Farage, and I got you know. Uh, I have a bias, obviously. <laughs> I'm, I'm relating that to you now, and I'm, uh, these are my opinions. But Nigel Farage, to me, is uh, kind of a political hero of mine. And um, again, his whole raison d'etre was to get to this point in history, to get Great Britain out of the European Union. And he was elected to the European Parliament. But all he does in the European Parliament, basically, is berate the European parliamentary uh, president and um, here's a wonderful uh, clip. This, to me, is one of the most inspirational moments in political history. This is Nigel Farage basically calling out the European parliamentary president. Let's have a listen. You have the charisma of a damp rag and the appearance of a low-grade bank clerk. And the question that I want to ask, the question that I want to ask, that we're all going to ask, is who are you? I'd never heard of you. Nobody in Europe had ever heard of you. I would like to ask you, President, who voted for you and what mechanism? Oh, I know democracy is not popular with you lot. And what Uh, mechanism do the peoples of Europe have to remove you? Is this European democracy? Well, I I sense, Uh, I sense, though, that you're competent. 
and capable and dangerous. And I have no doubt that it is your intention to be the quiet assassin of European democracy and of the European nation states. You appear to have a loathing for the very concept of the existence of nation states. Perhaps that is because you come from Belgium, which of course is pretty much a non-country. But since you took over, we have seen Greece reduced to nothing more than a protectorate. Sir, you have no legitimacy in this job at all, and I can say with confidence that I can speak on behalf of the majority of the British people in saying we don't know you, we don't want you, and the sooner you're put out to grass, the better. There's Nigel Farage. Now what is he going to do? I don't know. He could, uh, I suppose, just retire, maybe open up a pub in, uh, in, in England because his, um, his mission has been uh, pretty much fulfilled and uh, Great Britain has voted to leave the European Union. 416-360-0740 and 1-866-744-740. Uh, what do you make of the, uh, the Brexit vote? Do you think Great Britain has done itself a service by leaving the European Union. This is going to be, again, a, a long and messy divorce. It's going to be incredibly complicated. It could take years. Um, however, I suspect the European Union uh, would like to make a quick break of it, and they would like to make a lesson. They would like to take Great Britain and uh, sort of turn them into an object lesson for all those other countries that are thinking about holding a referendum and, and leaving as well. Uh, but I think it's all for naught. It's uh, the old saying, they'll be shoveling sand against the tide because the new trend, I believe, and I'm hopeful for, is the rise again of the nation state and uh, a rejection of globalism. And uh, we know, for example, uh, that um, uh, in, in Denmark, in Denmark, people are, are clamoring for a referendum. They want out. And the... The uh, governing party in Denmark is, uh, they want to remain, but they are under tremendous pressure in parliament from uh, opposition parties who will be campaigning on a, uh, a leave the EU platform. And uh, this movement, of course, also exists in, uh, in Italy, uh, with a, uh, a populist uprising there, a populist party known as Five Star, uh, which is led by, I believe he's a former stand-up comedian, his name is Beppe Grillo. And uh, Five Star in Italy um, swept a number of municipal elections recently. So the Five Star Party is on the rise. And uh, again, uh, they are rallying uh, the people and they want to uh, hold a referendum. Can you imagine the European Union without Italy, which is, you know, uh, along with Germany, one of the great in industrial powers? So if Italy leaves, if Denmark were to leave, there's a, also in, uh, in Sweden... There's an ultranationalist party there that wants out. In Finland, Hungary, the list goes on. So, um, this vote by Great Britain is the first of many to come, I'm predicting. The rise of nationalism, nationalism the rejection of globalism. If you want to weigh in on that, we, we, uh, we can do that as well. I want to toss something else onto the fire, if um, you're interested in this, because it has to do with what I feel strongly is... It's an existential threat uh, to Western liberal democracy and our, and our very civilization. And I don't believe I'm exaggerating here at all. It has to do uh, with it, what is happening in our colleges and universities. Now, this particular incident uh, happened at the University of Northern Colorado. Uh, and I just want to read to you from a report in the, um, uh, the Washington Examiner. It's about... Uh, two professors, we're coming up on a break, so I'll, I'll just sort of give you the headline now and then we'll continue this after. But I don't know, I don't know if you've heard this story, but there are two professors at the University of Northern Colorado and they are being investigated by, um, um, well, it's the university's bias response team. They have these things now in universities. It's called a bias response team. And these two professors at the University of Northern Colorado being investigated uh, because students complained, now get this, they were forced to hear opposing viewpoints. Can you imagine the temerity of a college professor to teach and offer up a different viewpoint? So in comes the bias response team. This Orwellian office on campus 
that asks students to report their peers and professors for anything, anything at all that upsets or offends them. Well, this is not an isolated incident, I can tell you. And universities and colleges where you're sending your children, they are being indoctrinated. And these institutions are churning out students en masse with this mindset. And this has the the very grave potential, a very grave threat uh, to remake our civilization. Not a good thing. We'll uh, discuss when we come back. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Open lines. Come on board. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. And it is open lines until the top of the hour. Now, uh, we were talking Brexit, Great Britain's recent and historic vote to leave the uh, European Union by uh, 52 to 48 percent. You can talk about that. Weigh in on that if you uh, if you'd like. We make the phone lines available to you. Um, my my prediction here is that we are entering into a new era, and that is once again the the rejection of globalism and the the rise once again of the nation state. Uh, the other thing that I'd like to talk about has to do with they're called bias response teams. And um, let me read again here from the uh, the Washington Examiner. Uh, and I believe that this mindset that is being incubated in colleges and universities throughout North America represents an existential threat to Western liberal democracy. Uh, two professors at the University of Northern Colorado were investigated after students complained they were forced to hear opposing viewpoints. Oh, the horror. Uh, the complaints were made to Northern Colorado's bias response team, an Orwellian office on campus that asks students to report their peers and professors for anything that upsets or offends them. When the news outlet Heat Street made an open records request for some of the complaints, it discovered that two students had become so upset after hearing an opinion they disagreed with, they filed reports with school administrators. And rather than telling the students to buck up because they might hear those opinions outside of colleges or on the news or in the media, the school told the professors to stop teaching that there's an alternative viewpoint. Let me, let me repeat that. This bias response team and the university administration instructed the professors to stop teaching that there's an alternative viewpoint, an alternate viewpoint. In other words, they're being muzzled. One professor instructed his students to read an article from The Atlantic, written by Foundation for Individual Rights in Education's president, uh, Greg Lukianoff, and social psychologist Jonathan Haidt, titled The Coddling of the American Mind. The article explains that allowing students to hide from controversial and upsetting ideas like through the use of safe spaces or trigger warnings, actually harms those students by not allowing them to confront those opinions. After reading the article, the professor asked his students to address controversial topics such as abortion, global warming, a gay marriage, transgenderism. The professor made no indication as to what his opinion on the matter was, but one student who identifies, um, or one student was upset that the professor even referenced the opinion of these controversial topics. Instead of learning how to confront this opinion or these opinions and be able to adequately teach someone how they are wrong to believe that, the student felt they shouldn't have had to hear it in the first place. Isn't this what college and university is all about? Being exposed to alternative viewpoints? Isn't university and college about challenging students to develop critical thinking skills, to debate? Does this mean there's no more debating in college and universities? The end of the debating team. Again, in this case, the professor wasn't expressing his own opinion. He was asking students to consider alternate opinions and to utilize critical thinking. A member of the bias response team advised the professor not to revisit these issues in his classroom, if possible, to avoid the students' expressed concerns. He was also told to avoid stating opinions, his or those of other authors on these topics, as he had previously uh, been working from the Atlantic article. 
So this is what America's colleges are becoming. But it's not just America's colleges. It's also Canadian universities and colleges. You've probably heard a term called microaggression, where students feel that if they are, um, their viewpoint, their worldview is being challenged, they claim microaggression. They want to be shielded from viewpoints they don't agree with. Can you imagine what's going to happen with these graduates when they get out into the real world? This is absolutely uh, shocking uh, to me and frightening because I believe uh, that these graduates flooding the workplace, taking their place in places of authority, positions of authority and institutions, how tolerant do you think they're going to be of differing viewpoints? And I can tell you, These uh, graduates are essentially liberal progressives, left-wing. If you have a conservative viewpoint, it will not be tolerated. And this represents an existential threat to democracy. Now, uh, lest you think that uh, this is something isolated to North uh, North, uh, Colorado University... Colleges across America are the, are creating these shadowy groups called bias response teams to handle these complaints. Um, at Emory University, which is in Atlanta, uh, this happened earlier this year, someone wrote on a sidewalk, they scrawled in chalk, Trump 2016, so expressing their support for um, Donald Trump. So they scrawled Trump 2016 on the sidewalk, in chalk. What happened as a result, some 40 students met with the uh, university president, James Wagner, to express their, quote, fear and frustration, insisting that Trump's platform and his values undermine Emory's values of diversity and inclusivity. Wagner reassured the students the university would review the footage from security cameras to identify the culprit. The culprit? The person expressing freedom of expression, freedom of thought? He's a culprit or she's a culprit? If they're students, Wagner said, they will go through the conduct violation process. Doesn't that sound something like from 1984? They will go to the conduct violation process. Sounds like a re-education camp. Frightening. We can discuss that when we come back to Conspiracy Show. Open lines. My name is Richard Serrett. the sky. Ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Welcome back. Open lines uh, for the next 15 minutes until we dim the lights and say goodbye. And, uh, well, we've got a couple of uh, topics on the go. We can talk about uh, Brexit and uh, what I see is uh, sort of the first salvo in the well, what will ultimately be the dissolution of the European Union, and um, you can weigh in on that. Do you think that's a, a, a force for good or a force for or a negative uh, thing? The uh, the fact that the Great the Great Britain has voted to leave the European Union, although it will be a protracted divorce and a messy one, I'm guessing. Uh, we I'm also talking about the rise of um, these shadowy groups on college and university campuses, they're called bias response teams. And uh, the idea is that um, uh, students are encouraged to report um, biases or, well, that's sort of ostensibly the purpose, but it's what, what it amounts to is anyone who offends the sensibility of a student. It could even include offering an alternate viewpoint. You know, democracy, the exchange of ideas, freedom of expression, that could that could raise the ire of the administration and these bias response teams. And again, it's not unique to Northern Colorado or Emory, uh, where somebody, perhaps a student, had the temerity to exercise uh, their, their First Amendment rights and scrawl Trump 2016 in chalk on a sidewalk. Forty students met with the, uh, the the president in Emory, which is in Atlanta, 
and uh, demanded that they check the security cameras to identify the culprit. And then that culprit will have to go through something called the conduct violation process. And uh, the, the president emphasized the school would make immediate refinements to the procedural deficiencies of its bias, incident, and response process. And again, not unique to Emory, more than 100 colleges and universities have bias response teams which aim to foster, quote, a safe and inclusive environment. Well, inclusive, except if you have a differing viewpoint. That is, in other words, we tolerate everything but people who disagree with us. How Kafkaesque, how Orwellian, how uh, cynical is that? These teams have multiple missions, including educational prevention, investigating alleged bias incidents, disciplining offenders, and organizing coping events after such incidents. So I suppose a student who sees Trump 2016 scrawled across the sidewalk in chalk um, was traumatized, and they need a coping, some sort of a coping event. Uh, they need a hug because they've been they've been frightened by by Trump 2016. All right, who do we have on the lines, Jamie? Melanie's in Toronto. Welcome to the Conspiracy Show, Melanie. Hi, Melanie. Are you there, Melanie? Going once. Twice. Let's put Melanie back on hold and see if we can reestablish uh, contact. Um, anyway, those are two things that we can discuss, but we can you can take it just about anywhere. If you want to um, move away from uh, this this discussion and talk about uh, the paranormal, uh, UFOs, I um, spent part of the weekend in Brantford, my hometown, at the Alien Cosmic Expo, moderating a, uh, a panel called the Canadian National UFO Inquiry, uh, featuring seven... Well, just the creme de la creme, seven real heavyweights, uh, including uh, Travis Walton, of course, one of the most celebrated alien abductees, uh, Richard Dolan, historian, the Honorable Paul Hellyer, Stephen Bassett, Nick Pope, Grant Cameron, and uh, Stanton Friedman. And uh, they squared off against a, uh, a panel of uh, journalists and academics. And uh, it was a, a very nuanced, sophisticated discussion and um, revolving around, you know, the best evidence for... Uh, UFO incursions into um, uh, into um, our skies, and also the uh, the nature of uh, disclosure. How soon will it come, and so forth? Uh, and I believe that uh, the Alien Cosmic Expo they are going to produce a film, and uh, that'll be released at some point. So if you missed it, um, look for that soon. We'll uh, we'll give you details. There's going to be a sizzle reel uh, produced, I believe, from the Alien Cosmic Expo. But if you were there. If you want to comment on, on what you may have heard, either at the, uh, the UFO inquiry or if you attended one of the, uh, the, uh, speakers events, love to hear from you. I understand I missed this, but Stephen Bassett on, uh, well, earlier today was, uh, to lay out his best case as to why he believes disclosure will happen within 2016 before President Barack Obama leaves office. Didn't get a chance to hear that, but if you did, would love to hear from you. 416-360-0740 and toll free from just about anywhere, 866-740-4740. Now, I just want to continue on uh, while we're waiting for uh, a phone call here. Um, just to remember, or just to, uh, to continue on with this uh, report on these bias response teams. And uh, this is coming from... Um, an article. It's the New Republic. It's written by uh, Jeffrey Aaron Snyder and Amna Khalid. And uh, these, as I say, these BRTs, as they're called, bias response teams, rapidly becoming part of the institutional machinery of higher education. But they've yet to face any real scrutiny. As uh, Carleton College faculty members committed to rigorous studies in the liberal arts disciplines and the vitality of diverse campus communities, we believe that the proliferation of BRTs is a grave mistake. They degrade education by encouraging silence instead of dialogue, the fragmentation of campuses into groups of like-minded people, and the deliberate avoidance of many of the most important and controversial topics. That's precisely the point. They are inherently anti-intellectual enterprises fundamentally at odds with the mission of higher education. And ultimately, they will undermine a bedrock principle of the modern university that more diversity leads to better learning. 
All right. Uh, I understand Melanie is back. Melanie, welcome back to the program. Yes, good evening, Richard. Hi there. Talked to you on a different topic about UFO. You want to talk UFOs? Wonderful. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering because in uh, about a month time in August there will be 25th uh, anniversary in of the UFO landing in Carp, Ontario. So I was wondering if you will be doing a special show about that and maybe invite some interview, you know, interview some people that you know <clears throat> did the film. The recording of the of the landing. That's a great idea. Now, those not in the know, the Carp Guardian case uh, happened yeah. up in ha- happened up in uh, Ottawa, very yeah. celebrated uh, uh, case. And there are there's lots of video on YouTube's uh, that yes. that su- supposedly shows yeah. a UFO landing. Yeah. Uh, and um, the um, the story supposedly involves, you know, members of the U.S. military that came up yes. to uh, to investigate and so forth. Some have claimed that it's a complete uh, fabrication and a, and a fraud and a hoax. What do you think, Melanie? I looked very closely at the video uh, in in a little tiny segments, uh, and also I took screenshots of the film. And yes, it is it is a UFO. You think so? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm undecided on that particular case. I mean, I've looked at the video, and it could be just about anything. Um, well. <clears throat> It's it, it the, the way it structures and how it changes shape. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, m- maybe you could, uh, Melanie, do me a favor. If if you yeah. have a particularly good uh, clip that you could share with me, if you want to send me the link, and I'll have a look at it because maybe we're not looking at the same, you know, the same uh-huh. thing. The problem is, of course, now you know, virtually any photographic or video evidence uh, is almost has to be sort of thrown out. I mean, this the, the level of technology in terms of Photoshop yeah. and, and the, the ability to manipulate video and so forth, uh, it's it's very difficult now to, to figure out what's credible video footage or photographic evidence and what is not. However, send me a link, and I'd like to see okay. what you're looking at. And, uh, okay. But who knows? Uh, um, uh, Richard, which, yes. which uh, email you have now? Um, here... It, the, here, let me do this. Let me give you um, Strange Planet Productions Inc. I know it's long. Strange okay. Strange Planet Productions Inc. at gmail dot com. At gmail. Okay. Yeah. Did you get okay, that? Okay, I will. Yes. All right. Yeah. Send me that link. I'll have a look at it. Okay. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you, Melanie. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye bye. All right, uh, Jamie. Who do we have next? Because my call screener is not working. Pedro. Pedro. How are you? Welcome. Richard, love the show. Where are you calling from? Los Angeles. Los Angeles. And how are you uh, hearing us? On the uh, the app or? Yeah, I was hearing on YouTube. I'm actually a blind user. And oh, I excellent. Your show, you know? you're, you're, on, you're joining us on the Hangout on Air. You're streaming us live yes, on YouTube. Yes. Wonderful, it's more, Pedro. It's, it's more easier for me. Terrific. Well, welcome. Yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, the university thing. Yes, these oh, bias response good. teams. Right. Yes, that will happen and continue. And years from now, when they're out of society and somebody comes to them with an alternate view, they're just going to dismiss it and, ru- and brush it under a carpet, and it's going to be wrong for everybody, you know? Well, m- my fear is that they're not they're not only going to dismiss it or ignore it, uh, they're not prepared to... To deal with it, and their the re- reaction to it um, might be a little more aggressive than that. See what's going on now. There is a you know, people of a certain age will remember the uh, the um, the McCarthy era in the 1950s when Senator Joe McCarthy of Wisconsin uh, was trying to root out uh, communists. He saw communists under every bed, and and um, you know they were holding these witch trials and. And uh, a particular uh, group of people that were targeted were, for example, writers uh, in in Hollywood. Many of them had socialist leanings, and uh, yes. a lot of them were blacklisted and denied the right. And that was a horrible chapter in in American history. But the same thing is happening now. But the, you know, there's the old saying: the tyrant or the slave becomes the tyrant. Well, now we are. Entering into a new era of McCarthyism, but this time it is the liberal progressives who are blacklisting conservatives. Uh, for example, you if, you, if you come there out, you're, you're in. Moved on to a different group. Right. If you're uh, you're in Los Angeles now, in in Hollywood, for example, uh, if if you happen to be conservative, 
and express your conservative views, you could be blacklisted. In other words, denied the right to work in Hollywood. And there's a case of a, a, an African-American actress named Stacy Dash. Um, and I think she was in the movie Clueless. Um, anyway, she has written a book uh, called There Goes My Social Life. And it's I think it's from, from Clueless to Conservative. So she's espousing, espousing her, her conservative views. And uh, she's not worked in a year and a half. Her agent fired her. And um, she was told to her face that it's because she is a conservative. So, and this is not an isolated incident. And we cannot move as, as one, as humans, as earlier in the, in the, in the show, as the young lady was saying, we need to move as, as higher beings and think and have open minds. If we're closing ourselves to one narrative, it's going to be hard to do that. Well, you're absolutely right, Pedro. Um, what is going on right now is is frightening, and and a lot of the uh, a lot of these uh, you know people they they call themselves social justice warriors. The problem is social justice could mean one thing to one person and something else to somebody else. To me, it's a very kind of squishy term, social justice warrior. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's, it gives you different roles, different ways you could. Right, but my experience with the term right now, my experience with social justice warriors means that they tolerate everything except a differing viewpoint, and if they can silence you, they will use whatever means at their disposal. And that represents, as I said, an existential threat uh, to Western liberal democracy and our civilization. Pedro, thanks for checking in from Los Angeles. Have a good evening. All right, my thanks to Jamie, Albert, Jonathan, Franz. Back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. <laughs>